All right, everybody, welcome to the Backseat Huddle Podcast, episode 24. As always, I'm your host, Tristan Weber. Today, I'm going to be talking to you guys about the wild card round. Going to be giving you my reactions and thoughts from this last week of games. Going to be talking to you guys about the Cincinnati Bengals a little bit. Going to be talking to you guys about the Buffalo Bills a little bit. Going to be talking to you guys about the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that just collapsed. And I'm also going to be giving you my thoughts on the Monday night primetime game of maybe Tom Brady's final game versus the Dallas Cowboys, and that just debacle of them getting blown out. A couple days from now, I'm going to be giving you guys my predictions for the wild card round, so keep a lookout for the episode on Thursday. But that's neither here nor, here nor there. So let's go ahead and get into it. All right. So the Jacksonville Jaguars completed one of the most devastating comebacks in recent history this week, coming back from down 27 to zero to defeat the Los Angeles Chargers 31 to 30. And there's two major takeaways from this game. Number one is, holy shit, Trevor Lawrence is really good. And number two, holy shit, Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, has got to go. But I'm going to start my show off with Trevor Lawrence because I'm a positive person and I like to talk about good stuff. I want to talk about how good this young man is. The prince that was promised, Trevor Lawrence, is every bit looking, he's starting to every bit look like the generational quarterback and generational talent that he was expected to be, but he's doing it for me earlier than expected. I very much expected this jump out of Trevor Lawrence. I just expected it to come next season, not this one. He is absolutely maturing toward the end of this season and into this postseason before our very eyes. But what's shocking to me is once again, not that Trevor Lawrence is making this jump and how early he's made this jump, but it's the fact that he's already elevating those around him. Elevating players around you is a trait that we have seen out of great quarterbacks before, especially in the last generation of quarterbacks in Peyton Manning, Brady, and Roethlisberger, where they just made their receivers better. It kind of felt like you could put anybody out there and those guys would just find a way to make it work. And that's kind of what we're seeing out of Trevor Lawrence right now. He's doing it with receivers that we don't necessarily look at as elite. And it's not just that they're working with him. It's that those receivers are excelling with Trevor Lawrence. The Jacksonville Jaguars have had not one, not two, but three separate players, three separate pass catchers record career highs this season in their first season with Trevor Lawrence. Their first season in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, Evan Ingram has set career highs in receptions and receiving yards. Zay Jones has set career highs in receptions and receiving yards. And Christian Kirk has set career highs in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, including his first 1,000-yard season in his first season with Trevor Lawrence. Those players, for lack of softer wording, are other teams' castoffs. And those players are not only making it work with Trevor Lawrence, they're excelling 
right now. And that is very much indicative of Trevor Lawrence becoming the player that we thought he would be. But it feels like to me he's becoming that player significantly earlier than expected. And here's what's wild to me about this Jacksonville Jaguars team is that they're going to be adding Calvin Ridley next season. And he's a real wide receiver one. It's impressive what they're doing without Calvin Ridley. So the future in Jacksonville is very, very bright moving forward with Trevor Lawrence and this group of pass catchers. For the Chargers on the other side of this, Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, and Brandon Staley, the head coach, they got to go, especially Joe Lombardi. There is just far too many creative offensive minds in the NFL and far too much good offensive coaching in the NFL for your offense led by Justin Herbert to only score three points in one half of any game. In the second half against the Char against the Jaguars, the Chargers scored three points. That's not acceptable. I can make an argument for the head coach, Brandon Staley, coming back. I can make an argument. He really turned that Chargers defense around in the second half of the season, even if they did get beaten up and down the field for the entire second half of the game against the Jaguars. He did do a solid job of turning that defense around in the second half of last season, and he did do a good job of making the Chargers a worthwhile contender and getting them into the playoffs. But at this point, I don't think that's good enough for the Chargers, and I would let Brendan Staley go as well. This Los Angeles Chargers team is now too good for it to be acceptable for them to just make the playoffs. This should be a Super Bowl-level roster, and they clearly need a better head coach to get in there. Look at what the Jaguars just did with Doug Peterson. They went from the first pick in the draft to making the playoffs, winning their division, and then winning a playoff game. If the Chargers had a coach that we felt was of that caliber, what would we think that the Chargers are capable of? Look, the obvious answer here for the Chargers is Sean Payton. And he is the popular pick. And quite frankly, he's he feels like the right pick. The Chargers should do what they're capable of to get him. The Saints just released whatever leak, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. They basically just said that the current, what they would like to get in return for Sean Payton is a mid to late first round pick. Guess what the Chargers have? A mid to late first round pick. I just give it up and go get him. The Chargers need that head coach to help them take the next step. And if I, if I were the Chargers, what I would also do is I'd work on getting Justin Herbert a reliable number three slash another number two wide receiver option because it's apparent at this point that as good as Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are, they can't be relied on to stay healthy. And Pro Football Focus has the rest of the Chargers wide receiving core ranked 77th or worst, if memory serves. It's just not good enough. Like, And once again, the Chargers don't have the offensive coaching to make those players look better than they actually are. So the Chargers, in my opinion, should go out this offseason and get another wide receiver and then go out and get Sean Payton. Just make that trade, make it happen, because you need that guy to help you get over the hump. Moving on to the Bills. The Buffalo Bills defeated the Miami Dolphins in a much closer than expected and should have been game. They, they beat the Dolphins 34-31 to thanks to a very generous spot 
by the referees at the end of the game. And that's not something I really wanted to get into. I just wanted to say it because it bothered me a little bit. But the Buffalo Bills should be worried. They should. This game, once again, was way closer than it should have been. And Josh Allen does not look good right now, and he hasn't for a while. This season, Josh Allen finished 22nd in completion percentage, first in turnovers, and tied for seventh in interceptions. And thanks to Nick Wright for this stat I'll put up on your screen. Josh Allen this season has 30 total combined interceptions and fumbles. I'm not an expert, but damn, that's not good. And quite frankly, Josh Allen just isn't playing that well right now. And he had three more turnovers against the Dolphins. Whew. You can get away with that against the Skylar Thompson-led Miami Dolphins, but you cannot get away with that against the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Jaguars, because they're going to beat you. And I'm fully prepared to say right now, looking directly at you, the viewer, that the Miami Dolphins would have won that game if Tua Tungavailoa played. And they might have won that game if Jalen Waddle had remembered how to catch. That was maybe a little bit of a low blow. But they very well could have won that game Sunday, Saturday, whichever day it was, with Skylar Thompson. However, to me, there is some silver lining in this Miami Dolphins game for the Buffalo Bills. There's a silver lining in this game. They didn't play all that well, as we know. And they have had one constant criticism for me and very likely other Buffalo Bills. I'm not a Buffalo Bills fan, but they've had this criticism from Buffalo Bills fans and observers is that they get away from their running game too quickly. This game against the Miami Dolphins, their running game looked good. It looked pretty good. It looked acceptable. It looked good enough. And moreover, they stuck to running the ball with their running backs. They had 22 rushing attempts from their running backs. You need that balance in the playoffs. You cannot expect Josh Allen to just be Superman every single game, game in, game out. You need production from your entire team to win in the playoffs, and they look to be getting that production from their running backs now that the time is right and they are in the playoffs, and I hope they stick to it because they are going to need that balance moving forward. Moving on to the Bengals. The Bengals defeated the Ravens 24-17. to Thanks to a 98-yard fumble recovery, and the Bengals really didn't look that good either. If you look at the box score for this game, it is not good for the Bengals. The Bengals had less total yards, less rushing yards, less passing yards, less yards per play, less time of possession, and less first downs against a Ravens team that was playing their backup quarterback. The Bengals just had fewer turnovers, so they won the game. The Bengals right now, they're beaten up all over their offensive line, and they gave up four sacks once again. Now, obviously, this offensive line is a concern. I want to get on here, and I really want to say, like, hey, you know, this feels like it's going to be the undoing of the Bengals, but the, the difficult part of this argument for the Bengals offensive line is last season we watched Joe Burrow make a Super Bowl run with a porous offensive line I don't think it's fair to expect him to do that again but I struggle to get on this show and tell you oh the doom the doom is coming for the Bengals because it's offensive line so that's a very tough argument for for me to make but 
something I, I can't help but think about is the Ravens have given the Bengals problems in the past. This is not a new thing. They're a division opponent. They're a familiar opponent that knows how to give the Bengals trouble, and they have in the past. But this game is it's kind of a bad look for the Bengals. You, you can't just get completely offensively outgained in every single statistic by a team with their backup quarterback. Personally, I really love the Bengals as a team. I love Joe Burrow. They're one of the teams I am hoping will win the Super Bowl, but I just I just don't see them making it past the Bills looking like they did against the Ravens. You have to be better offensively. However, the Bengals do feel like a bounce-back candidate, if you will, against the Bills, if you can even say that about a team that won. Obviously, I have that concern for the Bengals, their offensive line going into this week against the Bills, who have an excellent defensive line, even without Von Miller. That, that defensive line is really good. So I have some concerns going into this game, but I really don't like how they really got outgained and basically beaten in every major statistical category in this game. So we'll see how they fare against the Bills. Lastly, I'm going to end my show with this. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31 to 14 in a game that definitely was not as close as the final score suggested. Now, there's obviously two sides to this. I'm a huge Brady guy, and as such, I'm a little bit salty. I'm a little bit salty. I don't want to... I don't want to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because if you've listened to my show at all, which you probably haven't last night was, it was just a replay of what every Buccaneers fan has seen all season long. There was no new information about the Buccaneers last night. If you're watching this on YouTube, here's a link to me giving you all the reasons that it was extremely predictable. What happened to the Buccaneers offense last night? If you're on audio only, you can go back a couple weeks. There's an episode that's titled What's Wrong with the Tampa Bay Offense? You can watch it or listen to it. Nothing what happened, nothing that happened last night offensively for the Buccaneers should come as a shock to anyone that watched more than three or four Buccaneers games. To put it in a nutshell, if your quarterback, regardless of age, has to throw the ball 65-something times in one game, you probably aren't good offensively. To put it lightly, the Buccaneers made a huge mistake getting rid of Bruce Arians. And anyone who knows or anyone who has watched the Buccaneers this season knows that Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, and Todd Bowles got to go. They were miserable all season long. On the other side of this, the Dallas Cowboys, however, that first half after the Dallas Cowboys went three and out the one or two times, whatever, that was perhaps the best I've ever seen the Dallas Cowboys play in my entire life for the first three quarters of that game. They literally could not do anything wrong. Dak Prescott played unbelievable. The offensive line blocked like they were going to prison. If they didn't, the defensive line was unblockable. The corners were absolutely locking down everybody. The wide receivers were getting open. The play calling was perfect. The Cowboys just did everything perfect. They were unbeatable for the first three or so quarters of that game. And then they looked like just a normal team. They played well in the fourth quarter, which the Buccaneers started playing a little bit better. Quite frankly, the Cowboys just did everything right Monday night. 
and I'm, I, I physically cannot believe I'm saying this about a Mike McCarthy-led team, but they out-everythinged the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They outplayed, they thoroughly out-coached, they out-hustled, they out-schemed. The Cowboys out-everythinged the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But there was two things that really, really stuck out to me last night amongst it all. Number one, how well the Cowboys played in the trenches last night. Quite frankly, that's just where the game was won. Last night, from the second or third drive, whenever the Cowboys did those three and out, you could see how the game was going to go. The Cowboys' offensive line didn't let the Buccaneers pass rush near Dak Prescott at all. Meanwhile, Tom Brady was out there basically running for his life, really just like he was all season. But the Cowboys' offensive line was significantly better than the Buccaneers' defensive line, and the Cowboys' defensive line was significantly better than the Buccaneers' offensive line. At one point late in the game in the fourth quarter, the Cowboys rushed four defensive linemen, and they got to Tom Brady in under two seconds. They didn't even blitz. They just sent their four dudes, and they were there in under two seconds. It's impossible for any quarterback to succeed under those circumstances. Patrick Mahomes, anybody in history, could not succeed under those circumstances, let alone Tom Brady's statue of himself. And second, I touched on this earlier, Micah McCarthy and Kellen Moore game planned extremely well for the Tampa Bay defense. I don't like Todd Bowles at all as a head coach, okay? I've said it a thousand times before. I'm tired of saying it, but he's an excellent defensive coordinator. Todd Bowles is one of the top five, six, seven, eight defensive coordinators in the NFL, and I have a ton of respect for him as a defensive mind, but he got thoroughly outcoached in this game. It's hard for me to give Kellen Moore a, and, and Mike McCarthy a ton of credit and praise for the reason being number one, like I said earlier, where the Cowboys offensive line just played extremely well. It is extremely easy to look good on offense when your offensive line plays as well as it did, but the Cowboys offensive coaching staff deserves a bunch of credit for putting together an excellent game plan and pushing the Buccaneers around. They attacked the hell out of a top 10 ranked Buccaneers defense. They did whatever they want. So congratulations to the Dallas Cowboys and all the teams I mentioned above for advancing to the divisional round, which I'm going to be doing predictions for the divisional round this Thursday for the AFC and the NFC. So if you want to see my predictions, which you may or may not, I don't know, you should. Uh, they will be up on Thursday. Feel free to check those out. And that's my show for today. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching YouTube, TikTok, whatever. Feel free to hit me with a like and subscribe. Take care, everybody.